Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. This week is a getaway week for me. I'm going to Morocco next week. Very excited to experience migration in Africa as opposed to the ABA area. The birds of Europe, often many of them, like our neotropic migrants, go south for the winter, and I'll be getting to see them in their rush north to their breeding grounds in Europe. Should be really cool. Also going to see lots of endemics and lots of just birds of North Africa. So it should be a really good trip. Michael Carmody of Legacy Tours is leading the trip. And Bruce Labar from Episode 3 is going to be my roommate. Uh, a couple of other friends from Tacoma are going to be coming along. So it'll be a group that I at least know part of. It should be comfortable and really fun. Uh, travel is always fun and birding is always fun. So birding for travel or traveling for birding is really fun too. I'm also excited about my guest this week, Sharon Steitler. She goes by the bird chick uh, name, uh, is well-known in the birding community. She started one of the first birding podcasts. The first podcast I ever listened to was the Bird Chick podcast. It was funny and entertaining, informative. She's really good. Uh, and I thought, over the years, thought, I should do a podcast. But I never really put myself out there, and now I am. So I credit Sharon. Uh, the Bird Chick, as part of my inspiration for the Bird Banner podcast. So it's very fitting that I have Sharon on as my guest, and, and I think you'll enjoy hearing from her. Uh, welcome, Sharon. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's exciting. I think uh, the first podcast I ever listened to of any type was Bird Chick. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty happy about that. I thought uh, it, it was uh, it was fun, and it, it, I listened to it for quite a while, and then it seemed like maybe you didn't do so many or something. I don't know, but I, for some reason I tailed off there a little while ago, but I uh, just uh, listened to a little bit of your most recent ones, so it's uh, back up and going great. Thank you. So, yeah, with our podcast, it's um, it was really weird. So we started it oh, years ago. I lost track. And... Uh, we, we, it was kind of haphazard when we would do it. We just thought, oh, well, maybe if we do this, someone else will be like, wow, this is a terrible birding podcast. I bet I could do better. And so that was always kind of the goal was to hopefully get other people doing podcasts. And, and, and that happened. It sure did. And then, yeah. And then we also, we would just take hiatuses when life would take over. And then last year I got a promotion in the park service. Oh, good. And so that, that just kind of took over. And then when the government shut down in January... <laughs> Yeah. Bill, Bill said, hey, we should bring the podcast back. And I said, okay, but I want an actual plan. I don't want it to be where we're just suddenly deciding like, hey, we haven't done a podcast for a week. Let's do one tonight. So we came up with a plan. And the other thing I told Bill was it has to supplement some of my writing. I, I want to be able to give up writing for a publication. And so we started the Patreon. And so far, it's been working great. That's great. Yeah, I I have to figure that out. But sounds like uh, sounds like that's working. I uh, I heard the intro about the Patreon thing on the beginning of your last podcast. So that's exciting for you. Good. I uh, I I looked at your about part on your page and uh, the the goal of getting paid to go birding since since the last millennia. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So you've been making it happen. Tell us about your uh, your sort of career as a birder, so to speak. Uh, how, how did that all begin? It was a complete accident. Uh, I mean, just to kind of give you an idea, when I was in college and choosing a major, I thought a theater major was uh, a more practical way to go than... Uh, more practical? Oh, my goodness. More practical than ornithology, yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. don't know. That's a tight, tight match. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, you know, I would look at ornithology classes, but they always interfered with uh, rehearsals and things like that. So I was like, well, birding will just be my hobby. And so when we moved up to the Twin Cities, I worked for a children's theater company for about a year and we did commercials. Mm-hmm. And then I had to get a day job. So I worked part time at a wild bird feeding store. And then I just discovered like, oh, birds, are, that's that's my passion. This is what I want to do. And eventually I took over their newsletter. I started organizing trips. I became a manager. And then from there, I, when I left the bird store, my career just kind of took off. And it, it's been a completely unpredictable career of bird surveys, writing, speaking at bird festivals, uh, the park service. You are a birding celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> I put the bird in celebrity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The chick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, I, uh, I, I, it's a cool story. It's a cool story that uh, a person can find a way to make their passion, their occupation, and have fun doing it. So you, you're you're rocking it. I do. I am lucky that I do enjoy what I do, and that's not to say being a federal employee, I don't have days where it's like this paperwork is ridiculous. But for the most part, I really do enjoy what I do. Yeah, I was a federal employee. I was a family doctor in the army many moons ago, and uh, and oh. I, I, I liked that. Uh, but I liked it better after I got out. So <laughs> I can understand. Yeah, good. Uh, so uh, tell me, tell me about your podcast. You had a, you have and have had a podcast for years, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, do. And yours has been pretty much a, a you and your husband have done the podcast. You haven't had guests, I don't think, or at least that I've heard. Uh, we, we've had the occasional guests. The challenge is getting guest timing down with our timing. And we we did a Patreon poll recently, and people are like, no, we, we would actually like it if you could get guests. So we are working on getting guests. But our podcast, it's, it's mostly my husband and I, and it started off, originally it was just going to be me reading the news, and he was helping me edit it. Okay. And then he started making commentary. Yeah, he's funny. And people, he's a funny guy. Yeah. He is. He's very funny. And uh, so it just kind of went from there. And then he became part of the podcast. And so when we stopped it last year, he kept coming to me this fall and saying, I really miss doing the podcast. I was like, I do too. It's almost kind of our date night. Quality time together. Yes, quality time together. We save stories to talk to each other about. Like I'll I'll come home and I was like, oh, I have this great story, but I want to save it. I want it to be fresh for you for the podcast. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, that's that is cool. And you've been making the the, I, I guess rounds of the bird festivals uh, too. I saw a uh, part of your website talks about your favorite small, medium, and large festivals. I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. So, do you do you mostly speak, or do you lead trips, or what do you do for those festivals? Uh, I do a little bit of everything. So you can book me for your bird festival. And uh, when you pay my my speaker's fee, I'll, I'll do two things a day. So that could be lead a field trip in a keynote. That could be give a workshop uh, or judge a tattoo contest if you want me to do that. <laughs> they have me do that at Biggest Week. So I really try to be as helpful at the festival as I possibly can. Sometimes they'll say, hey, can you help be a host at our meet and greet tonight? And it's like, yeah, I, I, I want to be as helpful as possible. Sure. Try to make yourself a, a, a repeat uh, invitee. That's uh, (laughs) good. Add value. Adding value is always good. I saw that uh, on your site said something. Do you do stand up? Um, I do storytelling and improv. Okay, improv. That's what it was. Improv, not stand up. Okay, I'm not sure I know the difference. Improv is more acting, or what's the difference? 
Uh, with stand-up, you have a routine, and you go in and you have your set list, uh, and you have your jokes. Okay. Whereas with improv, there's a premise for what's going on, and then after that, you just have to wing it. So, oh, okay. um, are you familiar with the match game? Uh, that old 70s TV yes, show? Yes, I, I remember vaguely. My husband and I, uh, there's a company here in town that does match game at bars, and so we're the quote-unquote celebrity guests, and so we try <laughs> to match up or just say something utterly ridiculous. We do that, um, and I do something called judging a book by its cover, where someone comes up with a completely nonsensical book cover, and I have to make up what the plot is of the book. Oh, okay. So you're, uh, you're, you do have to fall back on your uh, drama uh, uh, education uh, background. It has served me well with my birding career, especially with speaking engagements and being a park ranger. And I do a lot of writing outside of bird writing. That's kind of been a goal for the last five years. And so, yeah, I've written some plays that uh, one was produced last year and it's going to be reproduced this summer Very cool. uh, at Convergence. So, yeah, I just I have a creative bug. I have a creative itch. And so I, I need to scratch it. From time yeah. to time. I saw that you, when you were doing your, uh, the rabbit one, what was it called? The Disapproving oh. Bunny or the Disapproving Rabbit? Disapproving Rabbits. That was my first book. I saw, I mean, getting a call from a publisher to ask if you can turn your uh, blog into a book. Oh my goodness. That's a dream come true. We literally <laughs> won the internet lottery. I still Seriously. can't believe that. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, most people these days self publish on Amazon and hope someone will read their book. You know, it's, uh, But, you know, I think publishing has changed so much. Even since when Disapproving Rabbits came out, we Uh don't get these kinds of random advances anymore. But I feel like publishing, especially self-publishing, it's really created an opportunity for me to read other authors I I never would have otherwise heard of. And people have the opportunity to make money that they never would have had with traditional publishing. Oh, so it's, total, it's totally cool. I'm not putting it down. It's just, uh, it, it certainly gives you a heads up when you've got a publisher backing you. I mean, that, that, that's... Yeah. But the nice thing about self-publishing is if the publisher says, mm, we don't know if we like this part right here, we think you should get rid of it. If you're self-publishing, you can say, screw that, I'm keeping it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, had as a guest on an earlier episode, uh, Christian Hagenlocker, who has uh, uh, got a book coming out. Uh, he's going to introduce it, I think, at the uh, the biggest week in birding. And so mm-hmm. he, he t- I talked a little bit about self-publishing on Amazon, and, and uh, it's pretty cool, pretty cool process. Yeah, and... The thing that I love, so 20 years ago, if I was writing my own play and producing it here in the Twin Cities, people would think I was edgy. If I told someone that I was going to self-publish my own book, they'd look at me like I was sad. And I was like, how is that any different? In some ways, me self-publishing should, I'm probably going to get more readers than I ever will for people to see this play. And now I'm really excited to see that that's changed and that people can self-publish. And and, and again, for me too, personally, it gives me an opportunity to read authors I may not otherwise get to read. You might have the next Martian. Did you read that book? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. He he self-published that. I think it was on Amazon. Self-published it until it got bought by a big publisher. So that's pretty and, cool. and that's yeah. There are a lot of people now that, and, and that's the dream. And Will Wheaton is another one where you know he wasn't getting published, so he went through Lulu.com, mm-hmm. and yeah. you can also make your own audiobook. So I just, it's an exciting time, literary wise. It is. It is. So I uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit uh, about your uh, government work. You you uh, have a have a job. You're a park ranger, or what do you do? 
I am a national park ranger. I wear the flat hat and the really uncomfortable government pants. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I bet you rock that outfit. Good for you. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're sort of the guru in digiscoping, too. I, uh, I saw you've got a, a YouTube series on that with Swarovski. I can't say that word, Swarovski. Uh, and you said it just right. That's yeah, it. That's I did. I, I use their optics. I just have trouble with the name. Uh, but uh, you know, crack for birders is what I call their optics. You know? uh, so <clears throat> once you've used it, you can't go back. Uh, anyway, uh, do you have any uh, uh, you know, clues or things you'd uh, give advice to every, all of us who try to take pictures through our optics? Yes, always, always, always take your scope and always try for the picture. Uh, I was, uh, last fall, I went on a trip to Uganda and there is a woman named Megan Crew who came along and she's a field trip leader. She's like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I have so many digiscoping questions. And I was like, I'm, I'm happy to help. And one of our first days, uh, we had this kind of boat ride. It was a canoe with a motor on it mm-hmm. to go out and see a shoe bill. And I'm taking my scope and people are saying, oh, don't don't take your scope. And I was like, no, I might actually get a picture. That's the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to have some crappy photos and a crappy photo of a shoe bill is better than no photo of a shoe bill in my brain. I always uh, like, I agree. Yeah. Documentation photo of nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and also the more you take your equipment out and the more you take pictures, even if you're just taking pictures of red winged blackbirds or house sparrows, you are practicing and getting to know your equipment. And by doing that, your equipment will just become part of your body. And that's when you're going to be able to get the great photos when that mountain bluebird tees up perfectly on a tombstone in a beautiful cemetery. Or, yeah, it's just always try. Uh, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to have some photos you need to delete. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's the way it is with digital photography these days. You mm-hmm. take a thousand pictures and one of them will be good. But uh, do you always use a device to, it looks like you probably use your phone now. I mean, most of us use our phone. The cameras are good enough. Yeah, um, I, I will sometimes take out my SLR. I have a couple of them. I have a, a Canon Rebel and I have a, a Nikon V1. Mm-hmm. And if I were going someplace like Florida, like Vieira Wetlands or one of the gator farms, and I knew I was going to have a lot of time with the birds and the birds were going to be sitting still, mm-hmm. then I would I would take those SLRs. But more often than not, I take my phone. And the reason why is the the quality is very, very good. Uh, and I've had... I've had pictures published in books and magazines. I even had a cover photo with one of my iPhone photos. So I feel like the quality is good if the light is good with you. But I also love the ability to share immediately. And so I can just share the photos from my phone immediately to social media accounts or do a Facebook Live thing. So, And it's your phone is so much lighter. It it is handy. And you've got it anyway. You're doing your e-birding on your phone. You might want to take a call. It's in your pocket, so it's not one. It's not an extra thing to yeah. carry. Do you use yeah, a Do yeah. you use a device, a, a phone holder adapter, sort of thing, usually or not? Uh, most of the time, I do. Um, I use the phone scope case. I I love it because you type in the make and model of your phone on the website, the make and model of your scope, and they make you a case that that is custom to that, and their customer service is fantastic. So, is that a case you can leave on all the time and then add the the little part that hooks on your scope? Or, I mean, my my struggle has been, 
I mean, I, I carry my phone in my pocket all the time, and and mm-hmm. and and most of the adapters don't work with some sort of protective cover, and and I don't know, I've battled, so I just usually hold it up and take a picture, and I'm getting incredibly good at it for you know for oh. just freehand. But hand holding uh, is great. I do that for people all the time. The only challenge is if you want to take video, then you're going to see yeah, the shakiness. Yeah, video but, is an issue. Yeah. But no. Um, so when I got my iPhone 10. Uh, the phone scope case that I got, I can take off the the bayonet that attaches it to the scope, uh-huh. and then just uses it, and then just use it as a regular case. Oh, that's cool! And and the brand of that you use again, Sharon, is Phone Scope. Phone Scope. Yeah, and Scope is spelled with a K. S K O P E. Okay, I'll I'll uh, find that and put a link in the podcast notes for people. That's cool. Okay, good. So your advice: bring your scope. Practice a lot. Basically. Always practice. Take pictures of everything, and I do take pictures of everything. I take pictures of the moon. I'll do time lapses of sunrises. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll do insects. I do. I just. I'm constantly practicing because I'm always curious what kind of boundaries I can push push with my phone. Yeah. And more often than not, I'm surprised at what I get. And you know, if your photo is terrible. If you just put a fun filter on it, it's still a good photo on Instagram. Nobody necessarily is looking for the perfect photo anymore. So obviously you use Instagram a lot. Are you the bird chick on Instagram too? Yeah, bird. Ch- it pretty much on social media, if it says bird chick, that's going to be me. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. I, uh, I am still getting up to speed on social media. So uh, <laughs> it's good to, good to hear that... Uh, other birders are way ahead of me. That's good. That's good. <laughs> you did a, a Digiscope Big Year, I think, didn't you? Don't I remember re- uh, hearing about that yes, or reading have, about that? I have seen that. Yeah, that's uh, actually, if you if you want to book me for your bird festival, one of the stories I tell is about that Digiscoping Big Year. And I needed a bird photo, and my husband and I had to go into a nudist colony to get the bird photo. Oh, my goodness. I bet that was an awkward moment. <laughs> you know... When you go into a nudist colony with uh, a camera and a spotting scope and binoculars, people will have a lot of questions for you. <laughs> yeah, and you had the right answers, so you're okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a good time. But uh, I just, it, the hilarious thing was when we realized what was going to have to happen. I told my husband, I was like, "I'm going in." He said, "That's great. I'm yeah. not." You know, and I said, the, the, the good thing is, you you got uh, fodder for. Uh, fodder for presentations at your speaking engagements. You gotta gotta I, look for those opportunities. You do. They just happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so Sharon, I'm gonna interrupt now because I'm sure. gonna start I'm starting a new segment on my uh, podcast where I play a bird song and you tell me what you hear. It's not so much oh. a trick question. I, you might get it right, you might get it wrong. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but I, I want listeners to kind of hear about how a birder how a birder uh, thinks about it. So this is a song. Uh, okay, okay. I, I, I want to get my two cents worth in before we do this. Okay. Because with, I feel like with bird song, there is a lot of nuance. There is. Because, you know, you have to consider what what country, what state sure. am I in. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 will give you, I will give you the heads up. Okay. You're walking outside your house. <laughs> I don't even know where you live, but <laughs> probably. Uh-oh. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Where, where do you live, by the way? Before I before I say that, I'm kind of curious about what bird you think is outside my house right now. Well, it's the right time of year for you to hear this almost almost anywhere in the ABA area. Okay, I'm in Minnesota. 
chances are good. All right. Okay. Is that supposed to be a house finch? That is a house finch. Is it hard for you to hear? Is it not coming no, through it's well? No, it's, it's not hard. It just doesn't have the accent of house finches that I have here in Minnesota. But they, it has they the have that. You're good. You're right. Has the has the cadence, and it's a long song. Yeah, that's what I hear. And yeah, it's got the, no, ours, ours sound a little bit different. Is that a Western one? That is a Utah one. That is a, oh, okay. they, We had some okay. New York ones, but the songs, <laughs> I'm, I'm using Sibley's app, the, 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 the New York ones had such a short song. It's like, those don't sound like most house finches, a longer song. I thought I'd throw a bone and give you a nice long song that would make it easier to hear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that, that's what I hear. I hear a long song, long warbling song with three notes and... Uh, yeah. See, the thing that I hear with house finches, they, I mean, they have a very distinct whistle and there's a little bit of furriness in it, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's just kind of all over the place. And it's like, I'm just telling you all the things that I'm going to say about my backyard and why you need to be here with me. And so, yeah, I just, I think of house finches as very long and drawn out with a, just a little bit of a burriness to the, to their song. Exactly. Exactly. Good job. You're one for one. That's good. Yay! Now, this is going to be a call note. It's not even a song, uh, but it's oh a dear. call note that uh, most birders recognize, or at least some birders recognize. And you're, again, probably, I don't know if you live in a real urban area, it might not be outside your yard, but it, uh, it's probably within a mile or two of your house. All right, so it's a sparrow. It is a sparrow. Is it an urban sparrow or a less urban sparrow? It is an everywhere sparrow. Oh, it's a house sparrow. Uh, or is a, it a song sparrow? Song, it's a song sparrow. Oh, You're right. Song okay. sparrow. Yeah, it's a song sparrow. I uh, have both of those outside my house. So that's uh, where I'm like, I know it's that's a sparrow chip note. You, so that's that's what you think, a sparrow chip note. How did, how did you, why did you think it was a sparrow chip note? Uh... Um, well, it doesn't have like the high chippy quality that I would expect of like a warbler. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's got a throatiness to it. So, I mean, it's like, I knew for sure it was a sparrow and I knew mm-hmm. it's one that's like, I know I hear that right outside my apartment, but mm-hmm. I also have a marsh nearby. And so I have both song sparrows and house sparrows. Yeah. Good. Good. So this is working out just how I'd hoped it would. How birders think. How birders think. That's cool. So we're gonna. And do... I also want to put in the caveat that I'm using earbuds to hear these too. Yeah, 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 for sure. But uh, yeah, you're right on. You're right on. Uh, and I have one more that's gonna All be right. pretty easy too. If I can find it on my thing. <laughs> it's a puffin, here. isn't it? You're giving me a puffin. I am not giving you a puffin. I am not giving you a puffin. Uh, and. Here we go. And this this is probably outside your house too. That's a robin. That is a robin. That is a robin. You know, and I, I say that because it's just a song sound that everybody hears all the time, and you don't think twice about. But uh, again, learning the really common things, and so you don't have to look up at everything while you're looking for something else is really helpful. That, that's the typical whinny call of a robin. So. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I didn't care for robins because they were common. But the older I get, 
it's one of my favorite birds now because we have them year round in Minnesota Mm -hmm. and their behavior and sound changes throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So that's that, that sound, that whinny sound you were just playing. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily hear that in the winter, but I know when I start to hear it in spring, it's like, Oh, you're thinking about setting up territory in my backyard. Yeah. The robins also have maybe the coolest generic name, Turtus migratorius. I mean, does it get better than that? That's yeah. one of my favorite trivia questions to ask people is what bird is Turtus migratorius? And, or what's the state bird of Wisconsin? And everyone just stares at you and is like, it's the robin. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is cool. I, you know, that, that sort of tidbit that the robins you see in the winter aren't the same ones you see in the summer you know they leapfrog each other the migration mm-hmm. that's cool and, and uh, uh on one of uh ben lizdas's uh bird watchers digest podcast he had on uh I, i'm not sure which guest he had on but they talked about the the winter wanderings of robins it looks like they're mm-hmm. migrating they're all going the same direction uh mm-hmm. and they're just in mass moving to some other place for the winter and somehow they know to do that that's yeah birds are smart Birds are smart. Yeah, not all of them. I I was at uh, the Sun Mountain Lodge last week, and uh, a, uh, a dusky grouse was in the parking lot. And this is a you know the cross country skis have gone, and the summer visitors aren't there, so there's just nobody at this lodge. And I drive into the parking lot, and this dusky grouse comes out and tries to attack my car. It's pecking at the tires, and it's like, oh my goodness! I get out, and it oh. comes up and pecks at my feet, and. Uh, and, that's not the bird not being smart. That that's, that's that's a bird that's lost control due to hormones. Yeah, and I mean, that, how many of us haven't experienced that? Yeah, I have to say it. It is uh, probably that's what it is. But it was it was pretty pretty cool. Dusky grouse is not an easy bird for us to get in Washington. You have to go east of the mountains, and this is, you know they they can be hard to find. But we all know to go to that parking lot in March or April, and you can find this <laughs> one horny dusky grouse. I guess I'm not sure. But anyway, that that was fun. But uh, you're right, probably not dumb, just uh, out of control. You know, we we all are victims of our hormones at one time or another. For sure, for sure. Uh, So, Sharon, what's what's, uh, coming up for you in the next few months? Well, uh, so we're we're headed into April, so I'm going to be heading into a lot of programs that I have for the park, and then in May, I'm going to go do a couple of bird festivals. I'm going to do a birding event in Iowa, and then one up in Ashland, Wisconsin. So, Ooh. and oh, and right now it's prime woodcock season. So anybody who texts me and says, "Hey, you want to go looking for woodcocks tonight?" My answer is always yes. That's nice. Yeah, we I, I, I miss those. We we don't get those either. We get snipe though. Snipe are pretty cool too. But. Oh, snipe are pretty cool. I, I, I always thought they sounded more like like primates than they do birds that kind of like woo 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 woo. Yeah, that is that, that is like a, I mean who, who it seems like a, a out of a sci-fi movie sort of sound. Yeah. So it's very cool. Very cool. So you've got some festivals coming up. Any mm-hmm. uh, any new books on the in the immediate future? No no books. Uh Books are so hard. Books are like running a marathon because you think you're finished. And every time you think you're finished, the editor comes back and says, no, we need these new edits or we need, we need this chapter expanded. So no, no new books coming, but uh, definitely podcasts uh, and definitely some performances, but maybe I, 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 I get the sense that there's another book. If, if I had like an extra day a week, I would love to start a birding by ear podcast. I mean, I love the segment that you're having here on your podcast, but I'd love to like go out with a public radio producer who knows how to record sound and be sure. like, let's just record this soundscape and let's unpack 
all let me let me talk you through what birds are in here and why that gives me a great idea i've got a young guy and will brooks is a student at ups and he is pretty darn unbelievable birding by year i mean we take him on our big day every year just because we get about 20 more species you know he just hears everything and he's so good and uh, I would, it would be fun to just go to a, 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 you know, maybe in May, a marshy sort of area where there's 40 birds calling and have him, uh, you know, uh, decipher what, what we're hearing. Yeah, that would be well, really and, cool. Yeah, I, and I do those classes in Minnesota. And it's my favorite field trip to lead because when you say birding by ear, I'm not guaranteeing that we're going to see birds, but I am guaranteeing we will hear them. Yes. And I mean, we do, of course, see birds, but I was just, just like, birding by ear is great because it's like, I thought I was going to see X. And I was like, I told you we were just going to listen. <laughs> yeah. I, I've led a couple of those trips for a local company. It's always intimidating because, you know, I don't know all these birds. You know? And I think I know a lot of them, but not all of them. And someone will, I'll, I'll call something out and somebody will say, are you sure? I think that's something. I go, oh, I think you're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'll uh, have a little, I eat a little crow when I go on those too. So, Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that's, that's what birding is. And, and I mean, our brains process things in the grand scheme of life very slowly. So, you know, it's sometimes our brain will tell us this is what it is when we only have a very little bit of the information. And 90% of the time that's right. But there is the 10% of the time when you're completely wrong. And I also think that's important for people to see when they go on field trips is like, oh, yeah, I, I call out wrong birds all the time. That that. That happens. That's all part of birding. And it it's a lesson to learn that just because you assume and you think that that's a sharp-shinned hawk, give it a second look. And when it lands, you'll see, oh, wait, no, 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 that's a flathead. That's totally a Cooper's hawk. Yeah, it is. I, I, exhibitors, oh, my goodness. I am the worst with exhibitors. I go out with my good birding buddy, Ken Brown, and uh, I'll say, well, that was a Cooper's. And I'll go, no, no, no. And he's always right. Somehow, I, he just, you know, he, he's just always right, and I'm always wrong. <laughs> it's a, uh, I'll, I'll, I feel that way with uh, Impidnex flycatchers. Yeah, well, they're, they're another, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother ball game. Whole nother <laughs> ball game. Yeah, call notes and songs, and, and that, that's when you have a chance. If you just see them, you have little chance at all. So Sharon, uh, I'm gonna uh, give you a chance to to promote anything you've got going. What do you what do you, what what should how can people find you on social media? You said bird check, of course. Uh, what do you have going that you want people to look out for? Uh oh wow. Um so yeah, definitely check out birdchick.com. Check out the podcast. Uh, we have a Patreon subscription, so every other week we we put out a free podcast. Anybody can listen to it. If you're a Patreon member, uh, and you can even be a member at a dollar a month, you uh, you get a separate every other week podcast. And it's not necessarily it's definitely birding related, but you also get some of the stories that I only tell to my friends in bars. Oh, okay. Well, you have birding, <laughs> bur, burden beers. What? What is your? You started that too. Are you the, were you the first one to do that? Because those, those are around now. I feel like there were always birders who were meeting in bars. I was the first one to give a name to it. That's right. And so, so yeah, birds and beers, and anyone is welcome to start their own birds and beers, but it's something that we have in Minneapolis. We have it once a month with my friend, Kurt Ron, and it's basically a birding meetup. And so all I do is I, I book a restaurant and anywhere from 30 to 50 people show up and it's a great way to meet 
your birding community face to face, not just through your Facebook page or your listserv. Yeah. And we really encourage people like you don't have to be a hardcore birder. You can be bird curious. And uh, it's, it's a way for someone to say, hey, I've heard birders go look for woodcocks this time of year. I've never seen one. What do I need to know? Or in my case, spruce grouse is my nemesis bird. So I'm always asking people for where to find a spruce grouse. Or maybe somebody has a project and they need volunteers, you know, some birders to do some surveys. So it's just, it's just a way for birders to meet face-to-face. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something I feel like sometimes, especially now with eBird, we can, where we can stalk each other in silence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't need to talk very often. We, we know what everybody's doing. And the other thing that I noticed, and this was the big impetus when I started it, uh, there was a rock wren in Minnesota, and I went to go see it. And I was standing next to this guy, and he and I were having a great time and laughing and joking, and he was super nice. And I was like, oh, we should probably introduce each other. And we we said each other's names, and I suddenly realized, like, oh, you're kind of a jerk online. (laughs) And And I thought, I was like, oh, you're really nice in real life. I'm misreading maybe some of what you're doing online. People need to meet face-to-face because who you are online is not necessarily who you are in real life. And, that's true. And that's, a, that's an important distinction to make. It is. It is. Well, Sharon, thanks Thanks so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was d- my pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me. I'm going to wrap it up with any advice you have to birders, get young birders, old birders, anybody else. Uh, get your, your bit of advice to the birding community. It's okay to be wrong. You will be wrong. You can think that you're going to be the most right person. You are going to make bird identification mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I'm glad. And always take your scope and always, always try to take a picture. Even if you think you're not going to get the picture, try to get the picture. The best thing that can happen is you'll get a great picture. The worst thing that can happen is you'll get a bad picture, and that's better than no picture. Great advice, Sharon. Great advice. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. you being on the on the show today, and uh, I'm forever in your gratitude. Thanks so oh. much. Thank you for starting a podcast I can listen to. Good. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That wraps up episode 11 of the Bird Banner Podcast with Sharon Steitler. The bird chick is my guest. I had a lot of fun today. Hope you enjoyed it too. Stay tuned for more adventures and episodes to come. Thanks for listening now. Good birding. Good day.